0: Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance.
1: And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
0: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
1: Welcome everyone to episode 127 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Teporek, and today we are going to have our long-awaited awards debate. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And this actually marks our first episode in our new locale uh, on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. So follow yeah. them on Twitter at Almighty Cast.
0: And, and we promise they won't pivot to video.
1: Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Knock on wood. Uh, joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort?
0: Am I still a stable genius after we've switched networks, though?
1: Uh, Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, you're still more stable and genius than our president. So, you're going to run well, with it mean, forever. Well, I mean, look, look, I- I'm looking at a dirty...
2: Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, wah, blah blah, and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see you at practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Talk right now. I'm pretty sure that <laughs> would qualify as well. That's great. Yeah, G- i'm good though i'm good we're we're dog sitting as i told you before and and that little piece of something dog is is really murking up my lifestyle currently but Uh, with you know i just i've I've come to realize something because it's a very little tiny dog so it barks a lot it's very insecure whenever i i get a dog it's
1: got to be a big one
0: yeah like a golden retriever or something like
1: yeah, it's the Ron Swanson thing where he says any dog under like forty five pounds is just a cat. I totally buy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep. that's accurate. Nori is just at the threshold of being. He's actually he's fifty pounds, so he's technically a dog, but he acts like a cat. So I think Ron Swanson was onto something here. Oh, nice. Yeah, but we're, we'll see. Actually, if you keep this stable genius moniker, once we talk about the rookies of the year, but before we get there. We need to briefly discuss the Boston Celtics and Kyrie Irving because that was the big news of the week. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we discussed it, that Kyrie was undergoing a minor procedure uh, related to the broken kneecap he suffered in the 2015 finals. At the time, the Celtics said he was going to be back in three to six weeks, which put him early side, put him back for game one. Late side, probably misses the first round back sometime in the middle of the second. On Thursday, Woj was the one who broke the story and then the Celtics announced it pretty quickly thereafter. Uh, Kyrie's done for the year. He's going to undergo a procedure to remove two screws implanted in his left patella due to the fracture he suffered in the finals. Uh, They found a bacterial infection at the site of the hardware, so to ensure no infection remains in the knee, he'll have those two screws removed. Uh, He's going to... He's expected to make a full recovery in four to five months, but obviously no playoffs for Kyrie. So more it goes without saying, this is a huge setback for the Celtics. They've been faring pretty well without him, all things considered. But, you know, that's probably the end of their chances of making the finals, if nothing else. Uh, so how far do you think the Celtics go without Kyrie? Do you think they're you know a legit first round upset pick or do you think they could still make it through the first can they make it through the second
0: mm, i no, i don't think they can but honestly i don't care remember how we talked about your philadelphia 76ers recently in regards to mm-hmm. they could get, get swept in the first round and it wouldn't matter mm-hmm. i think we're in that same territory with boston right now they're missing their two best players yeah. Uh, they're missing Marcus Smart, they're missing Daniel Tice. They're they're missing some pieces and right now it's just d- a development curve for the young guys getting getting to the playoffs, getting some playoff experience, you know, getting some of that under their belts. That's the focus now. Mm-hmm. If the Celtics take a game, maybe two in the first round, that's a win in in, in, uh, in and of itself. Um so yeah, whatever's Whatever kind of victory they get from the playoff is just, it's just gravy at this point. Um, I don't want to say it's a wasted season, though. A lot of people go, oh, then we this season is wasted because of the injuries. No, I mean, look, I hate the Gordon Hayward injury, but mm-hmm. if he doesn't go down, you don't really get to see Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown shine in the way that they did. I think yeah. Boston right now kind of move forward by almost a full season in terms of development curve Mm -hmm. and i think they're even more prepared to be a player next year compared to this year so there's a silver lining obviously their first priority was to go out and win this year because of the kyrie and gordon hayward acquisitions that's fair but you know those are the cards that you're being given and at least look at the silver lining and going well you know we got our our young guys going. with Terry Rochier as well. I should have mentioned Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. Um, Three guys got a lot better who are very young and a part of our future. Now they'll be perfect compliments to a healthy Kyrie and a healthy Gordon Hayward next year. So that's, that's how you have to look at it right now.
1: Yeah, I'm totally with you. And I think, I mean, I was saying this to my wife last night. Like, long term, I'm most scared of the Boston Celtics of any team in the NBA. I think the Warriors are going to have two more years and then they're going to start having to break up just because you can't pay all four of those guys once Clay and Draymond <clears throat> get on new contracts. Mm. Uh, the Rockets are going to be good for the next year or two until, I mean, Chris Paul is going to fall off eventually. And, you know, again, salary cap is just going to limit them in ways just because they don't have superstars on rookie contracts around those 25% maxes. So, yeah, like Boston is set up as you said, long-term magnificently, because they have they still have Kyrie, Hayward, Al Horford, all of whom are either in their primes. Horford's probably on the tail end of his. And then you've got those young guys, as you said, Tatum and Brown, both of whom, I mean, Tatum's going to be an all-star one day. Roger, I think the, the one drawback to this whole thing is that Roger has played so damn well that he has probably priced himself out of Boston once he becomes a free agent. But That's an issue for another day. For now, he's played very well in Kyrie's absence. And, I mean, I think how they fare in the playoffs, I'm right with you. It doesn't especially matter because without Hayward and without Kyrie, you just aren't going to win the finals. So, like, you can't be all that discouraged no matter what happens. I think it's just going to come down to matchups for them. Like, I don't think they get past the conference semifinals, but I don't... You know, I don't think they necessarily are guaranteed to lose in the first round. They're either going to play Miami, Washington, or Milwaukee. I would probably take Washington over them, but I'd give them, I'd I'd probably favor them over Miami or Milwaukee at this point. I mean, mm. Miami would be a toss-up. Milwaukee, like, they should be so much better. We talked about this recently, but they just yeah. aren't there. So maybe like Malcolm Brogdon comes back and that makes a difference, but. Uh, I mean, it, Boston has just, throughout all of the injury issues, continues to still play well. You know, there <laughs> the loss against Toronto on Wednesday was not their finest effort, because they just couldn't get anything going offensively. But, you know, they beat Toronto this past Saturday without Kyrie. Like, they can they can still beat good teams. They've beaten Portland, uh, Oklahoma City, they beat Minnesota earlier in March, like, They're not championship contenders, but they're, you know, in that second tier below. I'd say now Toronto and Cleveland are the two favorites to get out of the East. But Boston's right in there still with that next tier, even without these two guys.
0: That's fair. I I think I'd go Milwaukee just because of the Giannis factor. Um, You know what? I I always say the Giannis factor. I should add Chris Middleton to that because he's just been awesome. Like, we yeah. don't talk about Chris Middleton enough. 20 and a half points a game over five boards, forces Like, he's becoming an all-around guy, getting to the line a lot more, still hitting the three ball, bite, not as great as last year, but that's that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really digging what he's doing right now. So if those two get on the same page, him and Giannis, I mean, then you can, to some degree, just say, well, screw everyone else yeah. and and just let them run the show. I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee stepped it up in the playoffs. I I think they need a fresh slate, and I think the end of the regular season might provide that for them, that they go Mm -hmm. into the playoffs going, you know what? Everything's history. Let's just redo everything. Start over. There's no Jason Kidd. Like, this is a brand-new season for us. Let's go get whatever we can get.
1: No, that's totally fair. Like, I I wouldn't feel good about saying that they're, yeah, I mean, that that they're going to. How I wouldn't feel good picking Boston in that series, just especially because of what we saw last year with Milwaukee and Toronto in that first round matchup. Like oh, yeah. you know, it's it's very possible Giannis just turns into baby LeBron and like starts dropping 40 twenties and just puts the team on his back. And as you said, like they do have a very good supporting cast with Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Jabari Parker has he's been up and down, but he's had some really huge games. Rugden should be back soon. You can get a little bit out of the likes of, like, Tony Snell and John Henson. So, mm. you know, it's, I would say it's probably a toss-up, but it wouldn't totally shock me. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Boston beat any of those three teams, and it wouldn't shock me if any of those te- three teams beat Boston. Like, Yeah, no, they're, they're so very,
0: close together.
1: Right. Like, yeah. they're in danger of a first-round upset, for sure, but they're also, it wouldn't totally shock me if, They got to the conference semifinals. It would surprise me if they beat, I mean, whoever the three-seed is going to be, whether it's Cleveland or Philly. I don't like Boston's odds against either of those teams. Oh, yeah, no. No, no, no. Let's not get crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mort. Let's... Move on into the award debate, our long-awaited one, and we're we're just gonna burn through the consensus picks or the effectively consensus picks. Let's just get through those quickly because there isn't all that much to discuss. Uh, let's start with MVP. It's James Harden, right? There's, mm. I mean, no, no one else has. Okay, no. who who would you have second though?
0: I don't know. I've been flip flopping on that all year. Yeah. Um, if Milwaukee had had a better record, Giannis, yep. mm-hmm. but they don't. Yep. It's either AD or LeBron.
1: Yeah, I but think I'm not it. sure
0: which. I I mean, those two they can they can sort of switch positions in in terms of what whoever has a hot game. Mm-hmm. I think they're so close. So two yeah. A and two B. I
1: would, I think I would have LeBron second, and not just because I picked him as. <laughs> MVP before the season, and I'm no, that's fair. salty yeah. about I on this stupid podcast. Now I picked the runner up the past two seasons. That's uh. just
0: your your fate. That's yeah, that's,
1: yeah. I'm the Kevin Durant. I'm sick of finishing second. I'm going to start yeah. calling you a blog boy next episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean LeBron is just like what he's doing in his 15th season is just so outright ridiculous. And I want to... Uh, I can't remember where I saw this stat. I think... So Krishna uh, Narsu has this, like, all-in-one metrics tableau that he compiled recently. And there was something... One, it's like just, like, a bunch of um, advanced metrics, basically, that show, like, who is the best in each one. And James Harden is first across the board, basically. So mm. that cements him as... MVP, in case you need any more, um, <laughs> any more convincing. And yeah. your boy, Anthony Davis, is number two based on, I th- I'm assuming these are based on the averages. Mm. But there is one, oh yeah, the value in value added and value over replacement player, LeBron just smokes everyone. So that just implies, like, if LeBron was not on the Cavs, and we've said this before, the Cavs would be like a 25 win team. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah.
0: Yeah. but that, yeah, again, but-
1: that if, like, if, We've talked about this. Most
0: valuable player, like he's probably the most valuable to his team.
2: Right. In yeah.
0: that sense, it's just so. So we need to have a better definition of the award. Like, yep. you can't tell me that last year Russell Westbrook was the most valuable player for for his own team. You know, or, or well for his team, but you know, league wide that he was the the guy who was most. Uh, valuable for for this team that he was playing on like no that's mm-hmm. that's just not the way it works anymore and it's also difficult because you have to look at how teams are built you and i spoke a little bit about this after we had uh, finished recording last time around you know here we have the the houston rockets with the james harden in a, in a system that's just tailored to perfection for him Mm-hmm. So, you need to have the, him in there to utilize that system and to utilize all the things that he's been given. And, like, he's the engine who runs that. So, in that sense, he is definitely tremendously valuable because of the system he plays in. Whereas in mm-hmm. Cleveland, LeBron is more or less everything, right? Like, there isn't a right. set system, he's deciding the system. So, there are so many different layers to gauge and to analyze. And I think it's just so damn difficult. To kind yeah. of separate those things and and have this one for all award going oh most valuable is is flawed, it's tremendously yeah. flawed.
1: I mean I, Rachel Nichols has been railing against this and campaigning for them to basically split the award for most valuable and then like most outstanding, which mm. basically the NFL does that too. Like there's an offensive player of the year and then there's an MVP, and the MVP is almost always a quarterback because. In the NFL, a quarterback is basically, like, has such a larger impact than any other position. Right. And then most often, like offensive player of the year can be a running back or a wide receiver, or sometimes a quarterback, too. But, you know, if a guy puts up a ridiculous monster season in terms of stats. So, like, last year, you could probably argue that Russ would have been most outstanding player. And then LeBron James probably would have been MVP, like, each of the past 10 years. Mm. I mean it just continues to be he's what he his value to his team is so much greater than any other players value to their team, just because he does everything and their team that team would suck so much without him but i mean that's not to take anything away from harden who's i mean he's leading the best team in the nba Mm. he had to work in another high usage ball handler in chris paul and it took zero time like the concerns over that preseason vaporized within like the first week. Uh, I believe he's still leading the league in points per game. Like he, by every convention, it's Harden's award. It's just like as you said, more. It's it feels wrong to disrespect LeBron by not giving him MVP just based on what he's doing in this. You know, his fifth, Yeah, his age thirty three, his fifteenth season. But uh yeah, I mean until. Until the NBA separates that award, it's Harden is going to be the rightful MVP this year. Do you think he gets unanimous MVP? I've seen some chatter about that, and I do not. Uh, no, that that yeah. will be weird. I I yeah. don't
0: think. I mean, look, he is the clear front runner, mm-hmm. but I mean, let's just look at LeBron's season. Like he's for the first time ever in his career. He's broken mm-hmm. 700 assists in a season, yeah. and he's well on his way to reach 700 rebounds as well. This has never been done for him, by him before, and he's doing it <laughs> as you mentioned in his 15th season. Right. He's leading the league in total points, which obviously doesn't really matter because he's played more games. That's fine. It's mm-hmm. um, never uh, hit more th- threes than before. He's had 142. Like He's, he's doing some unreal things. Um, yeah. And, and I, I definitely think he's going to get some serious consideration for that.
1: Yeah, I, I have a feeling he ends up second, and I think yep. he's going to steal some first-place awards from Harden. But kudos could in very advance well be true. to James Harden for the, the well-deserved <laughs> MVP, even though oh, yeah. as, as Team Chaos, I really wanted to see him continue finishing second just to get Daryl Morey more and more angry. But Morey has continued to prop up my boy Sam Hankey, so it's. I guess it's time I can let him get his his happiness in too mm-hmm. um all right let's move to most improved player congratulations victor oladipo you yeah. blew everyone out of the water yeah is that i mean is there anyone even close to him
0: oh you remember when we talked about it last time and then after we were done recording i remembered someone mm-hmm. and you were like oh yeah we should have gotten him we should have mentioned mm-hmm. him Mm-hmm. I don't remember who I mentioned. Right
1: now. <laughs> Good. I I mean I would I know it violates your rule of don't give it don't give props to a second year guy because the leap is expected, but right like Jamal Murray has played very well.
0: Yeah, and, he's been awesome.
1: Yeah, so I mean, again, not it's Oladipo. It's like yeah, a hundred percent hammered down. Oladipo is probably gonna win it unanimously. I would hope. Like I don't think there's anyone who has. Maybe some like local beat writer is gonna be like Fred Van VanVleet, but no, it's Depot. Yeah, um, but this, yeah, like, this bothers is... me, by
0: the way, that I can't remember because obviously <laughs> I'm gonna remember this. Like, you know, 15 minutes after we're done recording, right. there is a guy out there who was in the league for who's been in the league for a while and then just put something together. I just, yeah, I don't remember, but it, but then again, that's just the response as well to how dominating you know Victor Oladipo has been yeah like he's so far ahead of the field that you just go yeah it's him right
1: yeah 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 okay let's move on then and Mm. we're going to another i have to assume this one's going to be close to unanimous as well six man of the year it has to be right lou williams yeah there's no way right i mean look so i frequently
0: have a problem with the six man of the year award because it always goes to scorers yep um, I think that's just a weird way of doing it. But when you average almost 23 points a game and over five assists, mm-hmm. then that's fair. And yep. it's fair. It's going to a score. But I will want. I would want to see in the future that award go to like a two-way player or a defensive-oriented player coming off the bench because I, I don't think scoring necessarily is the only skill that you judge that award on. Like you can be yeah. a like. Remember back in the day, I think. I think it was Jamal Crawford who won it over Taj Gibson, and Taj yeah, yeah. was was just fantastic all that all year long off the bench, and he was like one of the best defenders on the balls. best actually one of the best big big man defenders in the league. Mm-hmm. And it was like, nope, I, I don't even think it was close in the voting.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he but did that. Always, I want to yeah. say against Andre Iguodala, not last year. I think it was the year before right Uh, Iggy
0: was a candidate
1: yeah and then i think it was jamal crawford who won that one as well and it was just Mm -hmm. like yeah it was it was 2015 2016 and then jamal crawford got 51 first place votes Iggy had 33 and that was the year where iggy like fully embraced the uh his role as like the six man death lineup superstar kind of thing um yeah Uh, (laughs) but yes lou williams very deserving um I mean, oh, he... I remember who. Oh, for MIP? Yeah, I remember who we d- didn't mention. Tyreek who... Evans. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> that It feels like kind of cheating because he he was at this level as a rookie and then just fell off for like five he... years. and now I know got oh, back more than that.
0: Him. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, he was the rookie of the year, averaging 25 and 5. Right. But then just fell off the face of the earth for like, what, <laughs> seven, eight years? Yeah. something like yeah, yeah. so I yeah. mean and that shooting 40 one. from free I mean that's just weird in every yeah. aspect yeah
1: yeah uh, before I move on from six man fun uh, six man stat that I saw the other day it was from some Bleacher Report writer I do not remember who and I apologize in advance oh it was in the Bleacher Report uh, award picks so I do not again I don't remember which writer it was but kudos to whoever surfaced this the NBA started awarding Sixth Man of the Year in 1982-83. So I believe there have been 35 winners heading into this year. Um, Lou Williams will be the second highest scorer among any winner, trailing only Ricky Pierce from the 1989-90 season. He averaged 23.0 points that year. The next closest was Eddie Johnson the year prior, 88-89. He had 21.5. So yes as you said it tends to go to scores as we've seen with jamal crawford three times and yep. lou williams won it in toronto back in 2014-15 jr smith had it eric gordon last year lou williams deserves this award like the clippers are i, I mean they're still faintly in the playoff race in oh. large part because of him so yeah the end on that one as well Um, All right, let's go to executive of the year, (laughs) because we were very, very wrong at the beginning of the year when all of us were like, Sam Presti, open and shut case, the end. You got Paul George. Well,
0: well, hang on a second. Are we? No, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that we were wrong. So let me let me just correct you there, Brian, before you, you make me look like an idiot here. So, let's agree that it's not a general manager's job to coach the basketball team.
1: <laughs> like but, well, he, if yeah, he stopped he, at just the Paul George trade, I think he would be in contention for this. But the Carmelo, the, Camar- the Carmelo thing, like sent him down. He got him for cheap though. I know, but you got to yeah. look at the asset management here. Yeah. That's
0: that's the thing. I I, I just I have seen so many people crab on Presty for this. Uh, like, oh, we thought this was just gonna go so well. Look, mm-hmm. he got a lot of value for not that much value. Again, we no one knew Victor Oladipo was gonna be this guy, and now everyone that's is true. gonna go is gonna judge Sam Presti on you know trading Oladipo like he knew what he was trading away. He didn't come on. No, no yeah. one did. Like Oladipo and- himself just said that he he if he had not been in Oklahoma City watching Russell Westbrook, he wouldn't have gone to this place where he's at now.
1: Right, and also he wouldn't have reached this level next to Russell Westbrook. Like if if he had exactly. just stood pat and kept Oladipo, yeah, no, no, I'm not I'm not faulting him for the Oladipo. I mean, like that that's a move you make every time. Even I mean, like even if. Paul George leaves like the main motivation was to get Russ to sign that super max deal going all in, getting Paul George, getting Carmelo did that. So I guess like in that sense it's a success. Um, and yeah, like Oladipo wasn't going to reach this level in OKC next to a high usage point guard in Russell Westbrook. Like it was just, he was probably, he might've taken a step forward, but not to the point that he has in Indiana, but right. I mean, we just all heading into the season, we thought it was like open and shut case Sam Presti. And while you're right, like he's still going to be in contention. But now I think there are a couple guys who have a better case than him.
0: I I, I agree. I just wanted to point out that this attack on Sam Presti that we're seeing right now in the media is is really dumb. I mean, yeah. I, I just I don't want to be one of those voices who go, oh, yeah, we were wrong. No, I, I think what he did with the assets that he had at his disposal was great. And I think yeah. we should recognize that. The fact that it didn't work is is definitely worthy of him lowering down some spots, but it's not like mm-hmm. we should attack him going, oh, that was a dumb trade. No, no. I mean, he got some significant value from very limited uh, assets. So yeah, good on him, but I agree with you. And I think you're about to name the guy that I would vote mm-hmm. for as well.
1: So one would be Daryl Morey of the Rockets, mm-hmm. and the other is Danny Ainge of the Celtics. I think it's one of those two guys, and I honestly don't know who it's going to be.
0: Morey, for me.
1: I At, mean, That's where I would lean
0: too. Yeah, look, we talked about bad, I mean, not having a lot of assets. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look yeah. at that Chris Paul trade. I mean, Daryl Morey just wizarded his way into Chris Paul uh yeah. giving up very, very little. Like we we were sitting here talking about, "Oh, it's a shame that you had to give up Montreil Harrell." Like that's Montreil Harrell for <laughs> right, right. Chris Paul. Like let's yeah. not even think about this. Um, it was like Lu Williams definitely a,
1: right. Oh, Lou yes. Williams. Yeah, Lou yeah, Williams, Pat Beverly, Harrell, Sam Decker and then a first-round yeah. pick that's going to be number 30. Like, yes, yeah, so you make that deal 10 times out obviously. of 10 for Chris Paul.
0: Right, because you don't need Lou Williams when you have Eric Gordon. Right. Right. It's just a luxury. Right. So you're you're handing away luxury for Chris Paul, who's like an integral part of your team and your culture now. So obviously, yeah. not, not to downplay Danny Ainge, who's done well, mm-hmm. but I'm still, you know, kind of thinking we – the, the, the Markel Foles thing was a fluke. I mean, mm-hmm. that was still a gamble. If that shoulder thing had not revealed itself, and let's be honest here, nobody, nobody knew about the shoulder, including <laughs> Danny Ainge. Right. Danny Ainge did not sit there going, oh, I suspect that his shoulder is yeah. going to be da- you know bad, so that's why I'm going to do this. No. And if Markel Foles had come out and averaged 21 points a game, no one would have mentioned him in this sentence. But, you know... It, we look at what players are doing and then we we judge the the you know a trade that happened like a year ago practically like that's mm-hmm. that's not fair like we have to look at it from that point in time and
1: what well, angel yeah. so like he did the Kyrie trade that i liked yeah and that was smart I mean, he he got he had enough cap space to sign gordon hayward like The Markel trade. So, like, he he made some big moves this summer, not counting the Markel trade. But that's it.
0: Right, right. That's why he's in contention. I'm just saying, like, let's not get twisted with it because a lot of people are throwing the the Markel trade in, like, as as a positive. And I get why people do it. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. the logic behind it is flawed. Like, we agree that the Kyrie trade and the Gordon Hayward acquisition, thumbs up. Like, that's why Danny Ainge should be right on that list.
1: Yeah, and, uh, like, the Markel trade, you're right. He did not know the shoulder was busted. Sorry, Celtics fans who think that, because Markel came in Summer League and looked fine. Like, he took jumpers confidently. The shoulder issue happened Mm -hmm. after Summer League. So if if he had a crystal ball and he saw it happening three months down the road, then maybe that's the case. But other Mm -hmm. than that, he just figured... All right, I don't see a huge difference between Jason Tatum and Markel Fultz in terms of value. I'm going to get, presumably, a very high-value draft pick. I mean, it's either going to be if the Lakers jump into the 2 or 3 spot, it will be that this year, or otherwise, it's the worst of the Kings and Sixers pick next year, so the Kings pick. And unless, barring a dramatic turnaround from the Sacramento Kings, it's probably going to be a mid-to-high lottery pick. So like, it, I still think that could that trade could still end up a win win for both teams. I mean, right now it's slanted in favor of the Celtics, but if Markel comes back next year and looks like University of Washington Markel, and he's you know he, he's recently returned and he's progressively looking better and better, like both neither team is going to have a regret about that trade. Like it was a good move for both sides. Right now it's just overwhelmingly in favor of the Celtics. So it's like between that, yeah, the Kyrie trade, I mean, knowing what was coming with Isaiah Thomas, like he didn't know about the Markel shoulder injury. He knew about Isaiah Thomas. He, he had medical access to all of, you know, he knew exactly what was up with Isaiah. He knew it was going to be a long road back. A hip injury is very serious. Isaiah, as we've said before, was already a very bad defensive player. He, it was reasonable to foresee this type of decline from Isaiah, and you know maybe I doubt he knew that. You know, like Avery Bradley or Jay Crowder were going to struggle like they had in their respective spots this year. Um, but you know he he reasonably decided time to go all in for Kyrie, um, and then yeah, getting the Gordon having enough money to sign Gordon Hayward after all of that, like mm-hmm. what he traded. Bradley for Marcus Morris, who's proved to be a very good fit there as well. And that, in turn, created enough cap space to, to sign Gordon Hayward. So, I mean, he it's like 1A and 1B for me, but I'm with you, Mort. Like, Daryl Morey, I think, is going to get it. And it's, going back to what you said, it's somewhat results-oriented, right? Like, if Hayward stayed healthy, I bet Danny Ainge gets it. Because I bet the Celtics pushed for 60 wins as well. But because oh, yeah. Yeah. Hayward got hurt... Because the Rockets have the NBA's best record, you know, not only the CP3 trade, but he also got PJ Tucker, um, got Joe Johnson in the middle of the season. Like, he continued to add pieces around that CP3 hardened core, which proved enormous. And that goes back to the Presties thing, too. Like, he, you know, we all thought the Pat Patterson deal was a great steal at the time. We, couldn't know he wouldn't really do anything this year. Yeah, I think it's like one. I think Presti probably still finishes third. I'm I'm okay
0: with that. I just don't want him to like go down to the middle of the road where people want him to go. And in no, no. you know in regards to Mori as well, I think there were several follow up moves that got it for me. Like I was on Presty the Presty wagon all the way through, mm-hmm. but when Mori signed Gerald Green,
1: yeah, that yep.
0: was the one for me. That was the one who went. Yep. Okay, he gets it. Like yeah. I, we always knew more. It's Mori of course. It gets it, but you know what I mean. Like he knew yeah. that they needed some depth, and they he mm-hmm. knew that they needed some some more firepower off the bench on the wings. Yep. And he went out and signed one of the most dynamic scores that we actually have at the wing position. And, and I'm I mean, people will go, "What? Did you just call Gerald Green one of the most?" Yeah, I did, because he is, and no nobody ever seems to pick this guy up for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mori was like, "Yeah, of course we are." let's and he's been a tremendous guy for him like 11 and a half points over the past 38 games that he's played and he's taking like seven threes in 22 minutes he's just been gunning and it fits the entire scheme in the mo so i mean yeah i this is more is to lose
1: yeah totally agree all right boy i think it's time rookie of the year you ready to keep up
0: just make your presentation, Brian.
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, a month ago I was gonna do this whole like Jason Kelsey thing, but now I just don't think I even need to. I thought I was gonna have to like play the disrespect card, and like no one said Ben Simmons. Everyone says Ben Simmons can't play defense because he didn't try at LSU, and then like oh, turns out when he's making six million dollars a year, he actually gives a shit on that end of the floor. Who who saw that coming? Or. Oh, Ben Simmons can't shoot. Well, he doesn't need to, necessarily. Like, he's oh, still... Oh,
0: whoa, whoa, not, he, he might not need it now. Right, he's line. going to at some point. Right, but, right. like,
1: he's still... What, he's second among all rookies... In, mm-hmm. or no, sorry. Third among all rookies in points per game. Leading yeah. all rookies in rebounds. Leading all rookies in assists. Leading all rookies in steals. Mm-hmm. Leading all rookies in win shares. In PER. Mm-hmm. Like... I mean, it's it's an open and shut case. Like, No offense to Donovan Mitchell, who is number two by a mile. And, I mean, really, shit. Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum, all three of them have had better seasons than any rookie last year. All three of them would have smashed Malcolm Brogdon last yeah. year. Like, it, this is not, I am not disrespecting what Donovan Mitchell is doing. I just think what Ben Simmons is doing is so unprecedented i saw this the other day in the this bleacher report article too with the um the awards article and it it was like the only rookies in nba history to average 15 points eight rebounds eight assists ben simmons oscar robertson Hmm. open and shut
0: are are your boner down now
1: Uh, (laughs) i'm ready for this this one question you have that's going to change my mind apparently yeah well,
0: that question has been altered. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Into, will you not make fun of me now when I tell you that I actually agree that Ben Simmons should win the of the year? And let me explain something. <laughs> yes. Let me explain something. Let me explain okay. something. Okay. Because the the Joel Embiid injury, mm-hmm. that was the one... That mm-hmm. that changed it for you because yep. here's the thing: several things can't be true at the same time. We often talked about this. Yep. I still believe that Ben Simmons, for large chunks of the season, really benefited greatly to a much further extent than Donovan Mitchell benefited from, like Rudy Gobert, right? Um, to the point where I wondered how he would fare without Joel Embiid on the court. You know, for for a full game, and over a, yep. a stretch of games.
1: Yep.
0: It's only been four full games, mm-hmm. but those have all been wins, yep. and the lowest win- winning margin was seven. Uh, yep. They won by 10, 17, 26, and 7. And Simmons, at that point in time, has scored 16 points, 9.5 boards, 9.8 assists, and shot 62% from the field. More importantly is he's actually been able to affect the game throughout the course of a game without Mm -hmm. the presence of Joel Embiid. Constantly. Consistently. That's what I wanted to see from him. So, I already had him high on the list. (laughs) I did. This was not, like, some wide thing for me. Like, Donovan Mitchell was, like, leagues ahead. I never... And people who, who add me, you know, on Twitter and go, oh, you always... No, I never said that they were miles apart i always said that i flip-flopped before and they were close all the way through So don't give me that Mm -hmm. so these four games as insignificant as four a four game sample may be showed me something it showed me enough to me altering my vote because now Uh i finally got a question answered regarding him Mm -hmm. because you can't as a rookie, come in in four straight games, all in dominating form and victories, and do what he did without it being important. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm changing my vote. Having said that, I still maintain, and this is, again, one of those things where you can have multiple truths. Mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell still does a lot more with a lot less in terms of his role and his importance to a basketball team. I still think that's true to this day. I still believe that he, ha- he, without Gobert for 26 games, he carried them. Mm-hmm. I still believe that he is uh, a guy who should be right up there alongside Ben Simmons, and I wouldn't hate it if they won co-rookie of the year. So I'm still leaning towards more co-rookie of the year than Ben Simmons winning it single-handedly because I think Donovan Mitchell's importance to a basketball team right now, especially as it's constructed in Utah— it's mm-hmm. just that much more essential because who else they got? That was actually going to be my question for you. Was look at that USA that you jazz roster who they got Brian? Because Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles Ricky is Ruby. nice. He huh? Ricky
1: Rubio, who's actually turned Ricky, into someone. Ricky, Ricky Rubio square.
0: has been better, but like, come on, let's—he's still not like a natural score by any stretch of the imagination. He's, he's just, been a lot
1: better that this year he, in that regard. Right.
0: I've never said that differently but I'm not I'm saying he has not had that ability and still doesn't have that ability to go get buckets when needed like that's been on Mitchell. Mitchell's job is way more demanding and that's been true throughout the course of the season. Uh, I think it's oh it
1: has. Oh it has. Come on. It, it, in the sense that he's been asked to be their number one scorer most nights, I agree with that, but like is that
0: not a damn hard job to do in today's climate though, Is, is in the being, Western
1: Conference. being a point guard as a rookie not a damn hard thing to do?
0: Uh, come on. I mean, look, point guard, yeah. I, that's that's where the, the thing come in. I, I still don't like the definition of point guard for Ben I get Again, he's a ball handler. Mm-hmm. Like, he a ha- full-time he's ball handler. Full-time ball handler. Yeah, definitely. And he's done a marvelous job at that. Mm-hmm. But this was always one of those things that was his strength. Coming out of uh, of I was about to say Kentucky, he certainly didn't go to Kentucky. He went to Louisville. <laughs> yeah. um, so many guys coming out of Kentucky. I that's just a phrase. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Coming out of Louisville, did anyone did 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 Donovan Mitchell himself have this idea that oh I'm about to be thrust into the number one right. spot? No, it, right. he didn't. Ben Simmons sat all last year, fully knowing that Brett Brown was planning to play him as the full time ball handler. He knew mm-hmm. he had a lot of preparation. Donovan Mitchell came in cold, and was told, "Hey, you should lead our team in scoring. You should go out and average twenty every night because mm-hmm. we need you to." God damn, that's that that's tough. That's legitimately tough to do, yeah. and especially as a rookie, and especially considering that he has not had a lot of offensive help. He's, he's who else did they have? They had who were who was like a natural scorer. The closest thing was Rodney Hood, and. They had him for a little more than half a season. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I'm on Ben Simmons now because he's finally showing me something that I had some reservations about. And I think that's the difference maker to me. But at the same time, Donovan Mitchell should just not be ignored in any capacity. I know you are not. Right. But right, people right. going off and saying, Oh, this is so clear. You know, this is this is like they're they're miles apart. It's just a yeah, different world. Yeah. No, no. Stop. Then you're underestimating and underrating Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. That's no, ridiculous.
1: I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think I think it was closer earlier in the season when Mitchell was on that like bender where he was dropping like twenty five, thirty points a night. I think it was like around January. And Ben Simmons uh there was a point in time like around starting around Christmas and then through like kind of the mid-january I guess yeah up until <laughs> up until he dropped a monster triple double on the bulls where it seemed like teams were starting to figure him out a little bit and like the the fact that he can't shoot jumpers right now was starting to bite him like teams were figuring out how to defend him well and mm-hmm. I know that's a big concern of yours Mort and as well it should be. But then he kind of figured out counters to that. And then he started, yeah. I mean, I, I, and some of it is due to the Sixers actually getting real bench too. I mean, I think having guys like Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Eliasova to pass to, even when he's not playing with the starting lineup, makes a big difference compared to, a love TLC, but he's, you know, he, he's yeah. less reliable than a, a veteran like Bellinelli or Ilyasova. So that's probably helping Simmons' stats go up in this last month or so. And Exactly, you know, right. And they've, yeah. they've also played, you know, they've won 12 straight games, but like, look at who they've beaten. You know, Minnesota, Denver are the only two teams in that 12-game stretch, even remotely in the playoff conversation. Uh, yeah, everyone else has been already eliminated. So, you know, I, I don't think, I'm not saying that this stretch of the season should seal it for him necessarily. Um, I just think when you take into account the fact he's been the full-time ball handler, the -hmm. fact that he's putting up numbers the only Oscar Roberts in his match, the fact that he is so, he's really so much better defensively. Like that's been the biggest surprise for me this year about Ben Simmons. Like I figured dude was going to be a walking triple-double someday. You know, that just having that type of height and in that role is going to make him a mismatch nightmare forever, regardless of whether he develops a jump shot. But the defensive Mm -hmm. versatility, like he really can guard. I mean, frankly, he can guard one through five. He can guard all five. I agree. Yeah. So that, I think, if nothing else, separated him from Donovan Mitchell, who is a good defender in his own right. But I think because he's had the shoulder such a heavy scoring load, Exactly. You know that, like heading into the year, I thought we kind of thought that was his role, like just being a a three and D guy, like a rich man's Avery Bradley, ideally.
0: Yeah, uh, and to your point, like a rich man's Avery Bradley is still a damn good player, Bradley, <laughs> yeah, a really good player. Yeah, like Avery Bradley before this
1: year. Mm. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> yeah, before this year. Oh god, it's yeah. been such a bad year for him. That's it's so unfortunate,
1: really. I yeah. shouldn't be laughing, but yeah, I no. know so um, yeah yeah I, I think it's I I don't wanna I'm not disrespecting donovan Mitchell at all I wanted to make that no you you're not I mean yeah.
0: look you you've been fair yeah. I mean you have it, it's it that, that's not been the case it's just been this idea that that Simmons has just been these it's, it's almost like he's been a league better and I just don't I just don't agree with that it's like he yeah. it's like donovan Mitchell is being painted as Malcolm Brockton or something right yeah that's and that's, that's just not that's absurd because when you look at the the, the team that Houston or Houston wow I'm really baffling it up here today it, I'm nervous because we're at a new network Brian it's probably not. no <laughs> it's gotta Utah. Be it. be, be, I mean he's just not had enough help I mean on the jazz like look at the big man combo of Gobert and and Derek favors none of those guys are three-point threats so the spacing mm-hmm. has been an issue throughout the year which has in turn has Partly been Mitchell's job to kind Mm -hmm. of offset that. And to his credit, 179 threes in his rookie season so far, which is absurd for a guy coming in having shot 35.6%, I want to say, from Mm -hmm. the college three point line. That was an area where I was like, okay, I I expected him to become a better shooter, but I didn't expect the volume.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. So.
0: I have, I have been because he finally showed something. Because I was afraid that he would had to be reliant on others. Like, you, he would need to have certain players uh, in, in the game for his skills to be optimized. And mm-hmm. in particular, Joel Embiid. Because Joel can do basically everything. He can pick and pop. He can pick and roll. He can post up. He can handle the ball and attack. So, he's this magnet. That just allows for so many open driving lanes and open shooters and and whatnot. And I felt watching games that Simmons in particular benefited from from that to a great extent. I still think that's true. But now he's showing me he can do it without Embiid.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that matters. And again, my scale was tipped to Mitchell, but it wasn't like in a a wild difference so this just tipped it and i would agree i mean for mitchell to to skip it back he would have to average 50 for the remaining three or four games
1: yeah yeah i mean the good thing is that both of these guys knock on wood they as long as they stay healthy they're both going to be multi-time all-stars so Mm -hmm. yeah like the guy (laughs) the last time we got into the rookie of the year debate on twitter the guy who said donovan mitchell if his three point percentage falls by two percentage points he's going to be in the euro league in five years
0: Uh, yeah no (laughs) right uh close close can can we also mention just i I want to talk about two things here first this is just i just want to give a shout out to the entire rookie class because good lord it's been so good compared to last year this is so refreshing this is really refreshing okay second thing is and de- look boston fans out there definitely not trying to to start up something but we need to have a chat because i've seen way too many jason tatum is so much better than donovan mitchell takes lately that <laughs> no relax guys he's younger yeah he's got more potential definitely he's mm-hmm. taller he's got more defensive potential absolutely and he might down the road, turn into a better player than Mitchell. We don't know. It's feasible. But at this point in time, like right now, don't. Just just don't. He's yeah. not. And it's it's not close right now. And that's fair because Mitchell is, what, 21 and Tatum is mm-hmm. like just turned 20 or still 19. I'm not sure. but So that's fine. Don't take it as a loss that Jason Tatum is not better than Donovan Mitchell at this point in time. Mm-hmm. That's... That it doesn't matter, doesn't mean anything. If he ends up being better, great for you.
2: Right. But
0: right now, no, just <laughs> just no. Don't,
1: yeah. please, thank right. you. Like Jason Tatum is going to be third in rookie of the year voting, as he should mm-hmm. be, as he should, and yeah. he'll be a unanimous first team all rookie, right. as he should be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's, it's not. Donovan Mitchell is going to be second in MV- or rookie of the year voting, and that's how it should be. But yeah, I mean, to your point, more this not only those three, but then you've got Kyle Kuzma, Laurie Markin, Dennis Smith Jr., mm-hmm. De'Aaron Fox, even Lonzo Ball. Like this, this rookie class has really shown out. I, I mean, shit, like five of those guys might have won Rookie of the Year last year.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, no, no question. I mean, look, De'Aaron Fox right now, he was he was my he was the second guy on my draft board, mm-hmm. or, or not my big board. Your big board, yeah. My big board, um, and. You know, looking over his stat line, it's it's been so so. But then you factor in his age, mm-hmm. and you factor in his shooting improvements. We talked about this
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, in the by Felicia segment of the Kings, I believe. Uh, he's twenty years old. He's only going to yeah. get a lot better. Like yep. in a couple years, he would be dimensions better than Malcolm Brockton, I believe. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's ridiculous to see this great rookie class getting kind of screwed just by yeah. being a year late.
1: Dude, I'm, I'm serious. I really think the best solution is just give Ben Simmons last year award, take it from Malcolm Brogdon, give Donnie Mitchell this year's award. It's like, it's just absurd that Malcolm Brogdon's going to be a rookie of the year and Donnie Mitchell is not. But on the bright side, rookie of the year means absolutely nothing. Look at Michael mm-hmm. Carter Williams. That's, yeah. that, that's, that, I think that's a good way to wrap up rookie of the year. Just, yeah. it's, You know, we could fixate on this all we want, but it's ultimately meaningless because Michael Carter Williams is the rookie of the year. And Michael Carter Williams next year is most likely going to be playing in China. That's harsh. It's true, (laughs) but harsh. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's move to. We'll do defensive player of the year next because I think. I mean, I've been caping for Joel Embiid for much of the season, and a large part of it was. You know, Rudy Gobert is the obvious, the other uh, leading candidate. And, you know, a lot of it was salt on my end. Because it was like, people held... people Really? People, (laughs) last year with Embiid, like, the argument against him was, well, you know, he missed so much time, he can't be rookie of the year. So, this year, Gobert has missed 26 games, I believe. Mm -hmm. And Embiid, had he not gotten injured would have probably ended up playing about, I think, 15 more games. So then I wanted to see whether the same the same argument held true for Embiid versus Gobert this year. Unfortunately, Embiid then broke his face. And so right now, Gobert is about two, a little less than 200 minutes behind Embiid in total. He's played 10 fewer games. That will narrow as well. But they'll probably end up playing about the same I mean, Embiid will, yeah, the, Embiid will have played probably a hundred more minutes by the end, but it's going to be close enough where now I think it's, it's Gobert. And
0: it, then yeah, let's I, make it a little bit simpler though. Let's say both guys played all 82 or 70 or whatever, the same amount of games, the same amount of minutes. Who do you think yeah. is the most influential defender of the two? Uh, and who's still, the better defender downright?
1: It's still probably Gobert. Yeah. Right. Yeah, just because he doesn't... I mean, Embiid has to shoulder such a load offensively. It's the same thing with Donovan Mitchell. Like, if Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell didn't have to shoulder so much of a load offensively, yep. he could focus more defensively. Embiid is, you know, the the primary off option on offense as well, whereas Gobert very much is not. So... Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I pulled up his, his on-off splits this year. With Gobert on the court the Jazz allow 97.9 points per 100 possessions. So that would be, by far, the league's best. The Boston Celtics are leading the league right now at 101.4. With him off the court, they're at 105.4. So that's a differential of 7.5 points per 100 possessions. Embiid, 99.7 defensive rating with him on the court, 104.3 with him off. Differential of 4.6. So, I mean that that's a, obviously a thing in Gobert's favor. Embiid is slightly better in terms of field goal percentage allowed at the rim. Uh, he's at 52.4%. Gobert's at 558 Gobert sees about let's see. Gobert sees 6.4 shots per game, and Embiid's at 5.8. So Gobert sees slightly more. So I don't think that's swinging it in Embiid's favor. But, yeah, I mean, I just think uh, in terms of there there are going to be enough advanced metrics, especially like Gobert leads the league in defensive real plus-minus according to ESPN, and there is a massive gap between him. He's at 5.23. David West, actually, is second at 4.67. But that's just such a huge gap between those two guys. And then... Embiid's ninth, but you know, he, he's oh, much further down that that list. So yeah, I think it's Gobert. Yep. Me too. But it's okay. It's Embiid's gonna get one someday, hopefully. But I mean the, the <laughs> Tim Duncan never got one. That's true. The the interesting with Embiid, which we'll talk about, I mean, probably closer to once these awards start leaking. Embiid, um, if he, you know, he he signed the extension um, in October, and a lot of the the super max for these guys coming off the rookie deal is you can your extension goes up to thirty percent if you are MVP, DPOY, or on the first, second, or third team All NBA, according to Woj. Embiid only becomes a Supermax, not if he's Defensive Player of the Year. So thankfully, this debate doesn't especially matter for him. It's only if he's MVP, which he is not going to be, hmm. or if he's first-team All-NBA, which I don't think he's going to be, but it depends on... like I think ultimately voters will fudge their ballots because Anthony Davis is listed as a forward and a center. And I think to get LeBron and KD or LeBron and Giannis on that first team, they will slide AD over to center. But that's the thing that Sixers fans need to be keeping a close eye on because that's a five million dollar difference. If he's if Embiid is first team All NBA, he's going to be making thirty mil next year instead of twenty five, and that makes the LeBron or whoever search. Uh, significantly more challenging. It'll be much harder to get up to that 35 million in cap space that they'll need to get LeBron. So, that's what I'm keeping an eye on. I mean, I hope Embiid's he's do you think he finishes second?
0: I I would think so. Yeah, maybe Paul George gets it on the action. Yeah.
1: I'd like I've seen Al Horford getting a lot of buzz.
0: Oh, yeah. But is it possible to win DPOY if you're afraid of the basketball?
1: (laughs) Fair question. I think probably because the Celtics have the best, the NBA's best defensive rating, that would be Mm -hmm. why. But Utah and Philly heading into Friday are tied at 102.0, so they're only 0.6 behind Boston. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be, I I have a feeling it's going to be Gobert, Embiid, Horford, then maybe Paul George fourth. But without Ro- – I mean, Roberson would have been up there if he'd yeah, stayed he stayed healthy. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's wrap things up then with coach of the year. This is going to be a really interesting one, I think, because I think there are two clear front runners, but then a bunch of guys who we could talk about them who aren't probably going to be in that, like, first or second place, but who still deserve credit for what they've done. So I'm guessing it comes down to Dwayne Casey of the Raptors or Brad Stevens of the Celtics probably who would you pick out of those two guys
0: I mean Stevens just has this fantastic influence on his players doesn't he mm-hmm. I mean he's a player whisperer yeah and and he's a great communicator he's a great you know developer in talent mm-hmm i i think when it comes down to that you, you just you gotta consider him uh, the favorite of the two but Dwayne casey has just done a marvelous job of, of actually incorporating this new system i know uh, right. as, if i understand it correctly it wasn't casey's idea to change up the schemes but as a head coach you i mean you have to at least look at the data out there you have to look at the facts and he recognizes well well we need to do something and even though he it necessarily wasn't his idea to come up with a more, you know, pace and space game. He incorporated mm-hmm. it nevertheless and optimized his guys, which counts for something. Um, I, I haven't heard a whole lot about how he is as a communicator. Mm-hmm. And I think communication is key for an NBA mm-hmm. franchise. Mm-hmm. So it's extremely tough for me to pick one of those two guys. So I'm just going to go pop. <laughs>
1: And that's fair. He's he's one of the other guys who, like, he's not gonna win it, but he deserves credit. They are the Spurs are fifth. Yeah, they're fifth in the West heading into Friday, and Kawhi Leonard Mm -hmm. has played nine games.
0: Even if they had missed the playoffs, like, barely. Yeah, look at that. They still might, and they still might. But look at that only a
1: game up. Yeah, I I
0: know Kawhi Leonard. Look at Leonard playing nine games. I mean, just just. Look, their best player obviously is Lamarcus Aldridge. He's been playing so damn well, mm-hmm. but then after that, like Rudy Gay, yeah, Patty Mills, Paul Gasol, like DeJunte, De yeah. But I mean, in terms of production, like your right. second leading scorer, if you put take Kawhi out of the equation, is Rudy Gay at eleven point four points a game.
1: Yeah, I know. I I mean, I'm doing this thing for FanSided that's gonna come out next week where I have to power rank all the playoff teams. And, like, where would you put the Spurs right now? Because I think I have them insultingly low. But, (laughs) like, I I mean, my whole thinking with this is, like, all right, if the number one seed, which would be Houston in this case based on record, could choose its opponent from either conference, who would they choose? And I don't don't think they would choose the Spurs 16th because – you know, there's still the pop factor, so I, I think yeah, I'm PTSD right now,
0: from last year,
1: right? So right now I'm leading Miami as the 16th ranked team, but oh, that, yeah, like, that's fair. But who else? Is that like the Spurs in terms of roster? Like there's there's the pop factor, but mm-hmm. yeah, like in terms of roster, they might have the worst roster in the playoffs. Oh, oh yeah, no, I mean that's not a
0: maybe. They do, yeah. But the pop factor is just so significant.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's, that's it's why I wanted it.
0: Look, I, I have said this before. I'm going to say it again. I think Pop should win Coach of the Year until the day he retires. Yeah. Look, if we have if we have such a flawed award system, it's so dumb. Everything mm-hmm. about these awards are so dumb. We really need to figure <laughs> out a way to do it properly because, you know, I still am of the opinion that Michael Jordan got screwed out of a lot of MVPs. Mm-hmm. Technically, LeBron is the, in the same light if mm-hmm. you go by best player. Right. Uh Phil Jackson should probably have won more. Greg Popovich should definitely have won more awards as well. Tim Duncan mm-hmm. should not have been screwed out of a deep defensive player of the year award when Marcus freaking campy has won. Like yeah. it's oh, I know that that awards are something people like to hear hear us talk about, but God I hate them, Brian. Yeah,
1: I know. This well, is so dumb. Back to coach of the year. I mean, I've been in the camp Yeah of Casey for most of the season and I think I'm still in there but I I'm starting like, oh, it's close. The argu- yeah the argument for Casey is yes he like completely overhauled his offensive system like ditched the iso ball mm-hmm. started leaning more heavily on his bench and it obviously turned out to be a very successful decision and getting like the fact he got Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to buy in, I think really that's probably the biggest success. Like if you have stars, you know, you can overhaul your system, but if your stars don't buy in, then you're screwed. So like he got those guys to buy in. I think that's a big feather in his cap. But then you can also argue, all right, cool. He caught up to like how basketball is played today. Should he really be rewarded for (laughs) like what he's doing is not revolutionary. He was just stuck. Correct. Way back, you know, in the 1990s prior to this season. So when you then look at a, a Brad Stevens where uh, he loses Hayward opening night, he's now lost Kyrie for the rest of the season. They're still 53 and 25. They're going to finish mm. as the number two seed in the East. As you said, Mort, the development, the in-season development of Tatum, of Brown, of Roger, I mean, Al Horford is still playing magnificently. Like, what he's coaxed out of that roster I think is incredible I mean if you told a Celtics fan they were going to be 53 and 25 had Gordon Hayward snapped his ankle in half on opening night they would say they wouldn't believe you so it's really tough like this is the one I'm most torn on of any award I think everyone else at least has a in, you know, not necessarily like a running away favorite, but there is a relatively cl- clear front runner. This one, I think, either Casey or Stevens. I, 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 have no idea how you choose.
0: No, I mean you can't go wrong with either, right? Um, or Pop for that matter. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. so
1: yeah, Pop. Pop deserves some love. I think, um, Quinn Snyder. I mean, to get that Jazz team right now the four seed in the west to get them there like without gordon hayward i mean when he left this summer it was like oh wow well utah is gonna be what like a seven or eight seed at best i think Mm -hmm. i had them projected as the eight seed coming into the season um i don't think he's gonna get any i mean he's not gonna get like a first place vote but I think Brett Brown at least deserves credit for I mean this the Sixers team won 10 games 2 years ago and they're going to be close if not at 50 wins by the end of the season. And yes, yeah. like they added a a lot of talent in the form of <laughs>
0: that's kind of significant
1: right in the form of Simmons and Embiid and J.J. Reddick and you know all Dario Saric yeah. yeah yeah so it's not like just he coached his way up to 40 extra wins but you know the, their whole conversation surrounding the process and the rebuild was like oh they've developed a losing culture they're never going to snap out of it he got those guys to buy in and stay positive and like we're seeing the fruition mm-hmm. of that this year and the fruits of his labor this year we're seeing that yeah like they won 10 games two years ago but they didn't develop a losing culture and or the guys who did got shipped out of town adios noel like you know so i think he deserves credit for like vegas had them at 41 and a half and everyone sounded pound the under now they're at 48 heading into tonight's game against cleveland and they have Two relatively gimme games. I mean, that's the thing I've been most encouraged by from this win streak is, like, that's what good teams do. Like, yes, they've played a bunch of crap teams in the last couple weeks, but good teams handle their business against garbage teams. So they have, if they handle their business against Dallas on Sunday and Atlanta on Tuesday, they're going to hit 50 wins. And they haven't won this the Sixers as a franchise. I think I saw had not won 12 straight games since, like, 1990. Almost as long as I've been alive. Like, they haven't hit 50 wins since 2000-2001. The year they went to the finals. Mm. So, I mean, for all the crap that Brett Brown took coming, you know, through the first four years, I think he at least deserves, like, a throwaway fourth or fifth place vote. Because he's a good in-game coach, too. I mean, he he's not perfect by any means, but... His, no, his, he is. He is. Like, He's his...
0: coming from G- Pop's coaching tree as well. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then I want to... Oh, and Eric Spolester, I just think, always should be in the top five. He's just phenomenal.
0: Are are we kind of screwing ourselves by not mentioning Mike D'Antoni?
1: Oh, yeah. That's... that's I mean, a,
0: yeah. here's the thing with me, though. Yeah. The Rockets are sixth in defense if you go by basketball reference, at least. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked NBA.com, but mm-hmm. either way, they're a much improved defensive squad. Yep. Had we ever thought we would say this about a Mike Dantoni-led
1: team? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I had he not won last year, I think he'd probably be the runaway favorite this year. And
0: see, this is where my problem is. Yeah,
1: it's fair. It's a fair, fair criticism of it. Yeah.
0: Oh, he won last year. We can't give the same award twice. What, what
1: right the... Yeah yeah i mean right it usually goes to a coach who like vastly exceeded expectations yeah
0: exactly so it's always the
1: narrative right yeah, yeah.
0: that no, bothers me
1: yeah you know who's not gonna get it is tom Thibodeau. oh god no, <laughs>
0: no. also uh, like, I, i've seen a lot of people throw a lot of love fred hoiberg's way
1: oh and i'm just like coach of the year I, love
0: yeah a little bit like oh he should be at least considered because he's been doing a wonderful player development (laughs) job and i'm just like has he really though like i mean i get that some of those guys are are getting better numbers and all that Mm -hmm. but a lot of them were first round draft picks who were supposed to develop (laughs) either way like this is not some out of the norm thing yeah and i'm just i'm not getting it Mm -hmm. and he's obviously going to be there for a long while because they're gambling mm-hmm. on him and that's fine but I'm, I'm not really understanding the love thrown his way and it's not just see red twitter by the way it's uh Oof. it's even non-bulls fans which is kind of surprising to me um oh, I, no. i'm not sure what it is but i i don't think he's been good i really don't yeah. i i think his you know ato plays have just been really really bad mm-hmm. um and it seems like he's just trying to mimic everyone else. He talks about pace and space and the Bulls jack up a bunch of threes and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, okay, so you're a carbon copy of somebody else. Like, <laughs> right. good on you, I guess. Like, that's, Ugh. yeah. He's just, he seems no. so bland, right? Like, if you're going into yeah. the most, you know, the, the the most famous ice cream store in all of the world, the most luxurious ice cream store, and you just go straight vanilla.
1: That's Fred Holbrook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, two other guys who I think we should give quick shout outs to before we wrap things up. Coach of the Year race. Uh, Nate McMillan, just for taking this Indiana team who none of us saw as yeah. a playoff team coming into the year. I mean, I, mm-hmm. it still feels like, I mean, they're 79 games into the season and it still feels like smoke and mirrors to me, but it's working. They just beat the ever living hell out of the Warriors last night. Mm-hmm. So shout out to him. And then also to uh terry stats and uh,
0: i was hoping you that was the your, your yep. guy number
1: two yep 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 again another team <laughs> that i was just way too low on coming into the year um yeah i mean uh, i think they're the they're one of only three teams this is the final friday of the regular season and only three teams in the western conference have clinched the playoff berth houston golden state and portland oh it's so, so weird it's, it's so wild weird. but yeah shout yeah. out to Terry Stotts as well so
0: and imagine if neil Olshay had actually given stotts not evan turner
1: <laughs> i know right yeah yeah
0: <sighs> i mean um, no yeah. I, I i it's not like yeah i know it seems like we're keeping we keep harping on it that's not the point like imagine right. look at what he, what he's doing with like an albatross on the roster who isn't really that productive and doesn't really fit into the scheme like mm-hmm. imagine what he would have done if they had signed a guy that would have fit the system, yeah, even if he'd been overpaid, but just been able to shoot consistently and defend, yeah, that that would it would have, the Portland Trailblazers we'd have, we would have talked uh, about them in a whole different you know vein,
1: right? As like a legitimate threat to the Warriors of the absolutely the Rockets, which I do yeah. not feel like they are right now. No. Um. All right. More. Do you have a crush? To bring us home in the regular season. Oh, a crush, you say? Because I have one that actually segs into the coach of the year debate. Or well, it, go discussion. for it
0: because I I think I might have one, but I okay. just need to look up and see if I'm mistaken. But yeah, okay, go
1: for it. deal. I'm gonna I'm going with an anti crush this week. Okay, and that is Stan Van Gundy, who deserves to be roasted to ever-living hell for his hot takes about the Sixers over the last couple of years. In 2014, Mm -hmm. he described what they were doing as embarrassing and said, I don't care. Adam Silver could say there's no tanking or what's going on. If you're putting that roster on the floor, you're doing everything you can possibly to do to try to lose. On a related note, the Sixers officially eliminated the Detroit Pistons from playoff contention on Wednesday by sweeping them in the season series. The Pistons have not won a playoff game, I believe, since... What year was it? Uh, oh, yeah. 2007-2008. They haven't won a single playoff game in 10 years. Oh, the pettiness is real. They just traded a first-round pick, Tobias Harris, and other pieces for Blake Griffin, who is going to be paid... 140 million dollars roughly over the next four seasons they are in cap hell they have no way of drastically improving their roster outside of major trades and their coach slash gm uh yeah that doesn't work so well so shout out stan van gundy the sixers are about to have 50 wins the pistons are stuck they, they might redefine the treadmill of mediocrity that, right now but let's let's talk about who's the embarrassment
0: So, um, yeah, I've just discovered that Philly fans collectively are pretty much like Tommy DeVito from Goodfellas. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we do not forget. No, you do not forget, and you you become, you know, downright assholes to those who who say otherwise to you. Oh, yeah. It's fine. It's okay. I can can sort of dig it, but, uh, (laughs) man, yeah, you guys are scary. Just remind me never to say anything ill about any... Any part of the Sixers organization, because I'm gonna wake up and find some dead animal outside my door or
1: something. <laughs> I mean, fair criticism, we're open to, but dumbass takes about the process and how it's embarrassing and a, a oh, disgrace yeah, no, to the I, league. I agreed, was dumb, definitely. Was, yeah, that, they just all got saved into a big spreadsheet and we're ready that's, to fire see, away. See, that's the thing that that's the <laughs> thing
0: that that worries me. Like, you are organized, much like mobsters are. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, My crush is for <laughs> the best player on the Knicks.
1: Christoph Porzingis, who's been out
0: for three months. Well, he does technically because he's out.
1: Yeah. Oh, Trey Burke? Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's a good crush.
0: 23.3 points, 9.3 assists over the last four. 52.6% yeah. uh, from the field hasn't missed a three throw just under 35% from, from downtown and he's doing it with just one one and a half turnovers mm. it's, his 42 and 12 game came out of the blue but that was pretty awesome yeah. uh, good on Trey Burke for kind of rediscovering himself and yeah. good on New York for finally recognizing that oh we, we actually need players who can score the basketball That's, <laughs> that type of thing is important
1: it does tend to help, but yeah, yeah, that that was a good shout out. I'm glad we got a Trey Burke mentioned in before we ignore the Knicks for the next month because yes, he has played very surprisingly well, and I'm excited mm. to see what's next for him.
0: So, so who do you think the Knicks are going to take in the draft? They're right now they're picking eighth. Are they going Euro again with with someone who's going to be low volume? I think Nikola going to be good, but it's going to take a few years, mind you. But right, like. They're not going to get anyone productive, right? Because they, it seems like whenever they draft, they're going like the long-term potential route, and they, and and the guys they they're just not developed
1: enough, so they kind of get stuck. They're probably going to take Mikael Bridges and piss me off. That's that's going to be my guess.
0: That would be so unfortunate because you need to have oh I don't know good players around him, <laughs> right? I know <laughs> to exactly make use they of would... him. Yeah, like Tim yeah. Hardaway. <laughs> He's going to be flanked by Tim Hardaway.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, accordingly yeah oh no yeah or yeah. they could take wendell carter and add to their center log jam.
0: oh i would hate that because wendell carter is so good i just i don't I want him to end up there but you know I like the, our big concern you know is who like, they're gonna pick though you know it trey young. young yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh if he's on
1: the board zero oh, yeah. question oh yeah zero they,
0: question they are so afraid of doing like another you know Stephen Curry, mishap. Like they could have traded yeah. up for Curry back then, I think. Right. They or, really like, wanted to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. if Trey Young is there, like available, maybe one yeah. pick before, they're gonna <laughs> they, oh
1: they would straight the farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. All right, boy, that's a good place to wrap up. So thank you all to listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles and our bio. So give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And now we're being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so follow them at AlmightyCasts on Twitter. Until next time, I'm Brian Teporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton
2: Judson. Have a good one, Mort. <laughs> you too, Brian. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony. But you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the...